You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Chicago Bears ended their losing streak with a win over the Detroit Lions, and every win is something to feel better about. But what does it exactly mean for the team, the head coach, and the general manager with so much in flux here for the rest of the season and beyond? This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm an analyst for Pro Football Focus, and I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter at CoxSports1. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnBears. You can like LockedOnBears on Facebook. Join the LockedOnBears Facebook group for even more Bears talk. And make sure you're subscribed to the LockedOnBears YouTube channel to keep up with all of our video podcasts as well. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today and every day. On the show today, we look back at the win over the Lions on Thanksgiving. We'll kind of go through... The situation that led up to it and everything that, I don't know how much was actually at stake, but there was certainly a lot surrounding this team and and a lot we were watching for in this game and how the team would respond. And and they did respond in some ways, but it was still kind of a a weird, clunky win. And we'll go through some of the different ups and downs of that game and ultimately getting the victory and start looking a little bit more specifically at at Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace and and where exactly they stand and what exactly this means and where things kind of might go from here. It really was a, a strange week leading into a, a Thursday night game with the reports surfacing and circulating, and there was all this sort of question about, okay, you know, how how legitimate are these, and, and how much weight should we put into these? I mean, it, it came from, at first, you know, names that we aren't as, as familiar with, and you wonder, okay, is this any good? Is this is this real? And we start to apply some logic, and maybe not everything makes perfect sense. And so, you know, Matt Nagy's asked about, you know, do you, have you been told that you're going to get fired? And, of course, no, he hasn't. And, you know, the, the team certainly didn't do him any favors in terms of management coming out and, like, putting out a statement. Even if it would have been, like, a nonsense statement or, like, one of those things where it's a bunch of words that don't say anything, where it's like, you know, we we appreciate Matt Nagy's work and, and want to st- and will continue with him as our head coach, like, where they're not, they're not actually committing to anything. They're just putting out something to have a message from the organization that is... I guess somewhat positive or something, but instead Nagy was the one who had kept having to go up to these press conferences and and deny reports about his bosses and you know his 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 job being potentially you know up for grabs. Or then the report was that you know George McCaskey was the one who said Justin Fields would start and not Matt Nagy, and that Matt Nagy reportedly didn't want Justin Fields to start when he did, and that that came down from ownership. And so of course. Matt Nagy has to deny that and has to just be the sort of the face and the brunt of all this. And it, it did seem like they kind of hung him out to dry because then all the meetings were canceled on Tuesday. And was that a was that an issue or was that just a, a schedule thing? Matt Nagy says it was just a they had something wrong in their schedule, which is still a red flag that, you know, we're 12 weeks into the season or whatever. And they have meetings scheduled on a day where they don't have meetings and they, they didn't have that scheduling right in year four of a, a head coach in a regime. But regardless, right, it's it's all sort of building up of these sort of feeling, this classic sort of feeling of like writing on the wall, the end is near type thing. Not that he's going to get fired tomorrow. I mean, he made it through the Thanksgiving game, unlike the report may have suggested, but it's 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 just that feeling that you get where everything is is mounting. Where like each individual thing 
you can kind of like deny it or or explain it, you know, like the meetings being canceled. Oh, well, that was just a quirk in our schedule. Like each one of the individual things, you can kind of like find reasons and explanations and be like, oh, okay, sure, that that makes sense. That adds up. But then when you when you get them all together and they're all sort of flowing all at the same time, kind of from different places, you just feel that that doubt creeping in. And now there's reports that, you know, players in the locker room didn't really fully believe Nagy when he said that he wasn't going to get fired, and then that's why George McCaskey had to come and talk to the players on Wednesday before they went to Detroit, right? And it, it feels like all of the noise, as much as they try and, you know, say that we don't pay attention to it and we ignore it and we, you know, we're stronger together or whatever, it just feels like some level of doubt has crept into that locker room. And, you know, even Cole Komet was like, said he was confused about those meetings being canceled. And it was kind of a bizarre day that the players didn't really know what was going on. And they wondered if maybe the coach is going to be fired, right? The, the, the locker room has been penetrated. Even if it's just a tiny little bit, it's still that, that sort of like that crack in the dam where maybe a little bit of water is dribbling out. And that's just where it really feels like the beginning of the end, right? If they've been able to hold strong through six-game losing streaks last year and the year before that, right? I mean, and even the first four games of this losing streak or whatever, right? The the The... Strength of the locker room, just that that imaging, right, of this big, like, powerful chamber that, like, they're together in here and nothing can penetrate the bonds of the locker room. All this stuff this week started to feel like it, it penetrated the locker room. And it, now you feel like Matt Nagy is in this sort of lame duck head coach status and somehow Ryan Pace keeps kind of skirting under the radar from that. For now, we'll definitely get into that a little bit later on today. But, you know, you go into the Lions game with... Everyone, I mean, not everyone, but like, you know, the collective outside world sort of expecting you, waiting for you to fail, maybe is, is the right way. Not that they, I mean, not that people were, you know, the Vegas favored the Bears, right? Not that everyone was fully expecting them to lose, but none of us would have been surprised if the Bears lost to a winless Lions team. And that said a lot about the status of the team, the state of the organization right now. And of course, they didn't fail. They won. I mean, maybe it was barely winning and it was closer than it should have been and, and all those things. But, I mean, they did They did win. They did come together and to some extent overcome or at least ignore all the outside noise. And that even though maybe there's a, a break in the dam, a little crack of some water breaking through, the whole dam has not collapsed. And that they are able to still, you know, fight and, and play hard together. I was going to say play well, but that feels like a strong description for what we saw against Detroit on Thanksgiving. But so, so I think the win over the Lions, I mean, clearly it, it saved Matt Nagy's job this week. I mean, I, if they had lost the Lions, would they have fired him? I, I'm not sure that that's, I, I, I don't know. I mean, we will never know. I'm not sure that the Bears were ready to make that type of in-season move there, but it certainly did help, right? It helped beating the Lions. And maybe that win alone is not going to be enough to, again, alone, save Matt Nagy from being fired at the end of the season and into this offseason, but it's it's a step in the right direction, and you don't want to give them too much credit for it, but you got to at least recognize that, yeah, I mean, yes, a win is a win. It's just not one that necessarily inspired a ton of confidence. We'll, we'll go back through the game a little bit and, and see some of the good and some of the bad and kind of where that leaves the team moving forward next on Locked On Bears. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, Another that what lets you stream your favorite shows, then you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle, and it's a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called DirecTV Stream. 
and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to ever buy another device ever again. And the best part is there is no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. A win over the Lions counts as a win. Even when there are the winless Lions, the win still adds up in the score sheet as much as any other win on the schedule. And that's that's something, right? I mean, that is something the Bears desperately needed. It was something that they can try and use as a turning point or a rallying point or something to sort of remind them that they are capable of winning games, even if it was against a lower-quality opponent. And I just I wonder, though, how much confidence... It, it renews for, I mean, I think, I think it renews more for the players that are in it because they, they feel so much of that, like as much as they cliche say that like, you know, any given Sunday, any team can win. And so any win then is valuable even against the lesser opponent. Whereas like on the outside, we can kind of be like, well, you really should beat the Lions. I think the players are able to get more from a win over the winless Lions than maybe we will on the outside. But it's hard for me to feel like a, a lot more confidence in this team after that performance, right? They scored... With 16 points against a Lions defense that's, I mean, they haven't been good this season, but they've been a lot better the last few weeks out of their bye week. And we talked with Matt Deary from Lockdown Lions on it last week about how, like, how much of that is the opponent that they've played versus their younger players getting better. And, and Matt said, you know, some of the younger players have played better, but they also played against some some rough offenses, and the Bears certainly fit that category this week. I mean, they were only able to rush for, like, 2.3 yards per carry against the Lions defense. That's been pretty bad against the run a lot this season. I think they've given up the most rushing yards of any team in the NFL. But, like, at the same time, we you know, we thought the running game was how this Bears offense was going to go and that if they can't run the ball, they can't do anything. And they were able to, you know, score and, and win the game without a running game. So, like, I don't, you know, in a weird way, like, I want to I be critical of how poorly they ran the ball against a defense they should have been able to run the ball against. But then also I think... On the reverse side of that, they at least were able to do some things in the passing game. I mean, they had a 300-yard passer. I don't think we've seen that yet this season, right? That There was elements of a passing game here that were positive. And again, it's like, well, it's a bad Lions defense, so how much credit do you give them versus blaming them for not being able to run the, to run the ball against the team that they should be able to run the ball against? I mean, this is where this, is where this confidence question becomes difficult. Like, Andy Dalton played pretty well, all, all things considered. I mean, he, he was able to sling the ball a little bit and, you know, do kind of classic Andy Dalton stuff. This is the guy we saw in Cincinnati. This is kind of the guy that we knew the Bears would be getting. And this is the guy I think they would have had had they not benched him for Justin Fields, or I guess after after he got hurt. Like, you know, he can, he can throw for 300 yards in a game, and he can hit some downfield passing, and he can hit the checkdowns. And if you have wide receivers and, and tight ends and running backs able to make some plays, then he can lead your team to a slightly above 500 playoff team, right? That's what it was in Cincinnati. And so that was kind of the Dalton that we're seeing, you know, Darnell Mooney got, played another great game. I mean, right. He's, he's the kind of weapon that Dalton can have some success with. And Cole Komet got going again over the middle of the field, you know, good to sort of see those things going well. If you're looking for something bears related to be thankful for on Thanksgiving, right? That was, that's definitely what, what you could point to. Cause it was, there was some, some other struggles certainly around that in the running game, like we talked about, but then, you know, defensively as well. It's another one of those weird, weird defensive games where it's like, I don't know 
whether to be upset or not, right? right? Because they only gave up 14 points, but it felt way too easy for Jared Goff and the Lions offense to move the ball, right? I mean, they're they're not a good offense. They don't have talent at wide receiver. They, they do have some good running backs at tight ends, but, like, you know, Goff was efficient and had a, a really high completion percentage. Not a ton of yards, but, like, too often it felt like the Lions were able to kind of move the ball when they wanted to, and yet it was only 14 points. Like, that's, that's a winnable—I mean, they literally won the game, right? But, like, also that's just a winnable defensive performance on, on its own, right? I mean, we talked about it last week with the Ravens game where they allowed, I think, 16 to Baltimore last week. And it's like, if your defense allows 16 points, that should be enough to win most games. Like, the number one defense in the NFL entering this week was the New England Patriots. They're allowing 16 points per game. Like, 16 points a game is number one defense level production. Now— Versus the Ravens and the Lions, maybe the bar should be moved a little bit and that, you know, you shouldn't maybe allow that many points to really bad offenses. But regardless, when you sort of take, when you separate the opponent for a second there and just think about, okay, what is the defense's job? It's to hold the opponent down to enough points to where your offense should be able to outscore the other team, right? And you want to hold them to zero points if possible, but the main thing is that you hold them to fewer points than you are going to score with your offense. And you should be able to expect your offense to score at least 17 points. And so back-to-back weeks... The defense has felt like it's played poorly against bad offenses, and yet they've also feel like they've, I mean, they've allowed the same number of points as the number one defense in the NFL, right? So, like, that's where I'm, I'm so sort of stuck on whether or not to, you know, you can build confidence from this game or not. Like, your quarterback played decently. Your defense, you know, did did enough, right? Your quarterback did enough. Your defense did enough. So, wh- why was it, why was it such a struggle then? Why did it feel like such an ugly, bad? game like it feels like a loss like for a lot of Bears fans it was a win but it felt like a loss because of how close it was and how difficult it was and all, everything else going around this team and so it's hard it's hard to a it's hard to not point to a couple things I mean one you know we talk a lot about coaching and and that's why the Matt Nagy conversation is what it is but you know kind of a uh, some of these self-inflicted wounds and penalties and then you know weird thing on the punt where it hits a guy's helmet and then, then the penalty afterward backs it up from from where it was and then you know the the timeout right before they were trying to take a knee at the end of the game and I still I still don't agree with that decision to take the knees and kick the field goal. I mean just just hand the ball off even if you don't score a touchdown. At least like keep your offense out there and and push forward and don't be scared of giving Jared Goff and the Lions the ball back. It's it's, it's a separate topic but it's just from from like it, it worked to kick the field goal and take the knees and like that's fine but it's very conservative and it's very it's coaching scared and I hate coaching scared and it it just sends this message to me of like oh we're, we're not going to trust our offense or our defense we're just going to take knees and put it in the hands of Cairo Santos which it worked but like I don't know it's just it's one of those like personal coaching things that just really bothers me a little bit but then like I also think when when you're you know your quarterbacks played well your defense did good enough but you still kind of struggled like you know I, I also point to some of the other talent on this team and some of the personnel issues and it, it comes back to how Ryan Pace has seemed to be in avoiding a lot of the the blame or, or at least the scrutiny. How about that? The scrutiny with with all this focus on it's conveniently Matt Nagy is going to get fired. Matt Nagy's doing this. Matt Nagy, Matt Nagy, Matt Nagy, Matt Nagy. And not a, we haven't really heard a peep about Ryan Pace. We'll, we'll kind of check in on his status and, and what, where, what his role is in all of this and, and how they might sort of move forward or what we should at least be watching for with, with Ryan Pace moving forward next on Locked On Bears. 
It is here the best Monday of the year. No one likes Mondays, but Cyber Monday definitely makes up for a, uh, a, a better Monday than most others. And there is a brand new flavor of Built Bars out just in time for Cyber Monday, Caramel Almond Delight. And it delivers everything it promises. Caramelized chocolate, almonds, delight, everything you need in a Built Bar. I got to try one just the other day, and it's it's good. I mean, I, was, I wasn't sure what to expect, like how much it would still be caramely versus chocolate, but it's like, it's a little bit lighter. It's still sweet and you got the little almond chunks in there as well. It just tastes great, but it's only 150 calories loaded up with 17 grams of protein. It's like a candy bar, but it's not, it's not a typical candy bar flavor, right? This, this sort of, this caramel and almond combination. I don't, I don't know. There's not like a one-to-one candy bar comparison, but it's that, it's that consistency and that sweetness without the loaded up sugar and calories that you get in a junk from a candy bar. Plus, Tons of other great built bar flavors, and you're gonna get a great deal right now on the best tasting protein bars in the world. Head on over to built.com and you can get 20% off any purchase. Not not only the new flavors, but all the old ones, all their different products. Just enter our promo code LOCKED20. Special deal for Cyber Monday. Locked 20. It's gonna get you 20% off at built.com. Depending on when you got your bets in for Bears versus Lions. The Bears didn't cover the spread, depending on where the line was. When you were, it was kind of shifting around, but a two-point a two point victory there. The Lions were sort of able to have a, a cover there, despite the, the Bears coming away with the win. But hey, the number one place to bet is betonline.ag. The top place we recommend for all your sports action, not only this holiday weekend, this holiday season, but year-round. Because it's not only pro football and college football, which of course, trust me, it makes these games, especially the college football games, that much more fun. But then basketball, hockey, soccer, tennis, baseball season coming up around, you know, once, once we get there. Plus, they also have online Vegas casino games to play as well. There's so many different things to do. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers they have coming up here for the rest of the year. Head on over to betonline.ag and sign up today. Get a free account. And then when you sign up, enter our promo code locked on and you're going to get a 50% welcome bonus, giving you free money to play with at BetOnline. They are stuffed with deals all Thanksgiving weekend long. It's weird how the dynamic between Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace has, I don't know that their dynamic has shifted, but the perception maybe, not a perception, you know what I mean? But it's like, think about like 10 months ago after last season or whatever they had those sort of end of season press conferences, right? Everything was sort of about them being linked together. Their contract statuses seemed to be kind of lined up and it was like, all right, Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy are in it arm in arm. And we kind of went into the last off season thinking like this was going to be their last hurrah to try and turn things around and, you know, show improvement in 2021 and kind of put this team on the trajectory for the future for them to be able to keep their jobs and extend things kind of moving forward. And now, you know, since then, it's kind of, it's kind of, at least this season felt like it's this branching off where it's, it's all about, it's all about Matt Nagy and the coaching staff. Cause you know, he's the one who decides who starts at quarterback and he's the one who's involved in play calling and game planning. And even, you know, the defensive coaching staff too, on what's going on with the defensive struggles. And like, you know, the coaches are the ones, especially in season, right. That always have the most hands-on control over the team's success. And so that's generally what we're thinking about. It's the ones we're seeing on the sideline, on the broadcast all game, and they you know, show them and they talk about them. And, you know, GMs don't generally get a lot of airtime, not only visually, but then just in on the radio and in discussions and, and on the broadcast, right? It's it, They tend to sort of skirt 
during the season because, well, that's all the coaches are trying to, to do now. And the GM, they're mostly hands-off. They're not making big moves at this stage of the process. We, we, we talk about them with their big moves in the draft and free agency, and that's, that's when we're not really talking about the coach, right? You know, they sort of split time here. But it's awfully convenient then for Ryan Pace when things go wrong in season. I mean, you're not talking about firing your GM necessarily when free agency starts, right? Everything is great that time of year. Only you're only making additions to your team, right? You're you're adding players. There's no reason to fire somebody after you're adding players and making the team better. But but so like now, now it's all on the shoulders of, of Matt Nagy because he's the he's the guy in control right now. Even though he talks about collaboration with Ryan Pace all the time and how you know that they're sort of intimately connected in in these sorts of football decision makings. But I I look around the roster, you know, against the Lions, and I it makes me want to cut the coaching staff some slack, you know, as we. Think about how these players need to play moving forward. And also, like, going back to some of the things that Ryan Pace said before the season. And back during the bye week, we did a podcast kind of checking in on the Bears. And we replayed some of Ryan Pace's post-preseason press conference. So but between the preseason and the regular season, you know, he sat down, had a press conference, and kind of talked about the state of the franchise entering the season and expectations and all that stuff. Highly recommend, if, if you haven't heard that podcast from the bye week, go back and listen to it. Because the bye week kind of set the stage of like, okay, here's what we need to see in the second half of the season. Because, you know, not, the jury was still out. The jury, I mean, isn't still out. There's still a lot of season left on for some of these players. But, like, it, it's not since the bye week and even before the bye week, it is not trending in the right direction. Like, certainly on the Bears' offensive line, your center is a problem. I mean, San Mustafer is struggling, and they don't really have a true backup center to, to replace him with unless they move the guards around. But maybe when Tevin Jenkins is healthy soon, that could change everything there. But the growth from San Mustafer has been slow, and it, it feels like the Bears haven't had proper offensive line depth, although... Not that I blame Ryan Pace for all the offensive tackles being injured and not having five starting caliber offensive tackles, but it's just you know the, the, when they struggle to pick up blitzes at this stage of the season and it gets pressure or sacks on Fields or Andy Dalton, it's there's a lot of that that you can you can point to the center having some problems. Or, or we saw against the Lions, wide receiver depth really becoming a concern there with with Arab already out. Marquise Goodwin gets hurt in this game, and so, like, you know, they call up Isaiah Coulter from the practice squad, and he ends up playing, like, a dozen snaps in this game, and you're seeing a lot of Demir Bird and Jakeem Grant because they just don't have a lot of wide receiver, like, consistent wide receiver depth, and it didn't keep them from winning this game, but it's, like, it makes me cut the coaching staff a little bit of slack, right, in the sense of, like, well, it's not like Matt Nagy is out there with you know, a bunch of star-studded wide receivers and not able to get the passing game going, right? They did get the passing game going with some limitations at wide receiver. And so, I'm, it doesn't again, that doesn't excuse Matt Nagy of all blame for offensive failures, but, it, it, you know, it's, we start to sort of toe this line between general manager and head coach. But, like, I think the big one is cornerback, right? I mean, I think that's been sort of Ryan Pace's big disaster this season of, you know, you win in the season with Jalen Johnson as your one really solid bona fide starter and since then you've rotated every other position because you just didn't have consistent guys there I mean now Artie Burns starts for Kendall Vildor and he was bad too and and we started with well we started with Marquis Christian and Duke Shelley in the slot and now we're on Xavier Crawford and we've had DeAndre Houston Carson down there and it's just this whole mess of players in the slot too and both those cornerback spots are revolving doors and like that was the thing that Ryan Pace said in the preseason press conference he's like the strength of this team is our depth and all the competition we have at cornerback and all, at all these spots, and they feel really good about the quality of the talent that they've assembled. And we're clearly seeing that they do not have 
quality talent, specifically at the cornerback spot that Ryan Pace highlighted as him feeling really good about. And that's that's where there's such a, a inconsistency or, or why wh- where I think the criticism is most deserved. That like when he when he can when he tries to stand on the cornerback spot as like a, pl- a spot they feel really good about and it's been a disaster, right? It's one thing for them to kind of say, you know, you, you can you can kind of say, well, this position has been a challenge for us. So you can talk you can talk about a position gently and not rave about it. But it felt like Ryan Pace was really sort of feeling good about the moves they had and has been very wrong there. And and even to some extent on the offensive line and the wide receiver and some of these different spots. And it's like, I, I come back to with the coaching staff versus the general manager as like, I, I blame the coaching staff when you have clearly talented players playing poorly, right? If you have a, a guy who you can normally sort of rely on or has been reliable on other teams or, you know, it's just sort of is proven or is known to be good and is not playing well, I, I, I look to the coaching staff as to why are you not getting more out of this talent? You know, like Eddie Jackson, kind of point to Sean Desai, the defensive coordinator, and say, dude, like, why why haven't you been able to get this guy going? You know, even like Robert Quinn last year with, with, with well, it wasn't Sean Desai, but like, you know, I look at the coaching staff and say, coaching staff's job is to make your good players play well. But when you have bad players playing badly, I don't know what the coaching staff is supposed to do if you have a, a player starting who is not starting caliber. And so, like, I don't blame Sean Desai necessarily when Artie Burns comes off the bench and is bad because, like, he just wasn't given good cornerback talent. And so I, I find myself finding a good happy medium of where to split the blame, right? Like, you can you can blame the general manager for some some very real talent deficiencies on this team that were partially self-inflicted by his own salary cap mismanagement. And you can also blame the coaching staff for like, you know, Allen Robinson not having a good season. He's a great player. I mean, there's no doubting Allen Robinson's the number one wide receiver in the, in the NFL. He's not playing well. They're not able to get the ball to him. They're not able to get the most out of their weapons with somebody like him. And that's, that's why I blame the coaching staff, right? I can blame the general manager for the center position and some of the wide receiver depth and, and definitely, um, you know, the limitations that they do have, at quarterback with, you know, going all in on Andy Dalton. He's been, he's been playing well, but there's there's some real limitations there. Right? You can kind of find spots across the roster where it's the, it's the coaching staff here and it's the GM there, and that's why it feels so much like the writing is on the wall, like these these positions are, are soon going to change when we get to the offseason. I, I think these next couple games against the Cardinals and the Packers will really, I think, hammer it home. You know, like, I think, I don't want to, like, I don't want to go full doomsday, but, like, I'm, I'm very concerned about a large deficit on the scoreboard kind of really stealing their fate. Not that the Bears are going to make the coaching staff change in season because they never have before, but I will say this. If the Bears can win those games and beat the Cardinals and or the Packers, I mean, those are the types of wins that could still save Matt Nagy's job. As much as we say writing on the wall, probably going to get fired, until they actually fire him, he can still save his job. And if you win, if you beat two of the top contenders in the NFC, I mean, that's that's a pretty good... That's a pretty good benchmark to to get your team going. I mean, it's 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 a murderer's row here, definitely coming up here over these next couple of weeks. The Vikings after that, and then the Seahawks as well. I mean, it's it's going to be it's going to be a tall task. And I'm not optimistic for those performances, but it's they are they are legitimate opportunities for somebody like Matt Nagy to kind of try and save his job. I don't think it's going to happen, but but it is something to watch moving forward because I think we do get stuck in a little bit of like team is bad, and so they're always going to be bad, and that throughout the season, right? The Dolphins or whatever started what one and one and seven, and now they're four and seven. Or you know they they lost a bunch of games, and now they're winning. Right? Teams can kind of turn things around to the good or the bad at different stages of the season. And I'm not confident that the Bears are going to do that right now because of the win over the Lions. But 
we do sometimes assume too much or assume that things are not going to change or, or just going to stay the same. And we saw last season the Bears turned it around after a losing streak because they made some very real changes to their offensive line and their scheme and all that stuff. So to be determined, that's why they think there's still plenty to watch for as this season goes on, if not just for the young players seeing how they develop, but also just you know some intrigue about how these games may go. I hope you'll keep following along with us all season long here on the Locked On Bears podcast. Really appreciate you making us your first listen each and every day. We're free and available on all platforms, so subscribe and make sure you're keeping up with all of our daily in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. As the the rumors and the reports keep potentially coming out of Hallis Hall, we'll, we'll keep up on those. We'll keep up on some real injury concerns here as more top players have been kind of going down and leaving the Bears more barren in the cupboard as well. And all throughout it, I hope the podcast helps make your season a little bit more enjoyable and most importantly, helps you bear down.